Oh, Father, we come before you, and uh, this is our hope. Our hope, our faith is in this day. It is this day that we look forward to. God, may we be reminded that when we say this is our hope, it's not a hope like we hope we have a good day tomorrow, although we have no, no surety that that will be the case. But our hope in this day is a sure hope because your word tells us of this day. You guarantee and you promise this future. And Lord, in those times when our faith wavers and, our, and, our, and there's an insecurity, may we, may we be reminded that every time you've told the future, it's happened. You're batting a thousand in that department. We worship and praise you for your ability to call the future, to set the future. And God, may we be reminded that this is the future you've set for us when there's no more night, no more evil, no more pain or tears. But we will live in the light of the great I am. Lord, I certainly do not know. You do. But I certainly do not know what is in front of my own life this week ahead or, or everybody here in this room. But Lord, whatever's in front of us this week, may we walk through it in a godly and holy way. May we walk through it in a faithful way because we do know what comes out on the other end. From the good, the bad, the indifferent to just getting through another week, Lord, may we live well for you because we know the future that's in front of us. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here today. To be with our friends, to be with other believers, to worship, to sing, to, to see people being baptized and babies and families dedicated to you. God, you allow us to be a part of such awesome things. Thank you for that. Thank you for this house. Thank you for what you're doing in this room right now and all throughout this church. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, we had our children's musical last week, so we've had a little bit of a break here. But if you might remember the last time we uh, looked in our series, we looked at what is God the Holy Spirit. And we come back to that today. So this is our second message on what is God the Holy Spirit. And, and you remember, we're looking at 20 questions, 20 what is questions and and what is God the Holy Spirit is our fifth question and we've already I think we're about 12 sermons so far so we're we're kind of plodding along here kind of slow uh, I certainly hope that you're learning some things I greatly pray that it's deepening your faith you remember that was kind of the goal of this whole series certainly to fill in a lot of gaps to to learn about the word and, and our God and, and all that he's doing in this world but but one of our real goals was to strengthen and deepen our faith because we walk through a deep world don't we our world has deep issues it has deep suffering it has deep questions and too often the church sends us believers out into that world with a real shallow faith with a real shallow understanding. So we're, we're trying to deepen our well. We're trying to dig our well a little bit deeper and, and be more prepared for that. So we come today to, to look at this issue of, of spiritual gifts and spiritual fruit. Now, this is an issue that has way too much divided the church. It's caused controversy. It's caused uh, a, a lot of debate. Uh, I like what, what Tony Evans said on this 
on, uh, he, he's referring in his book, Theology You Can Count On, which you know is kind of the, the supplemental book that we've had is through this series. If, if you don't have it, we still have some available at the media desk. It's a big book, but it is a tremendous book. Almost every topic in the Christian faith is written on, explained, verses are given for you to go and to study. Uh, it might be something you want to check out and start working through uh, this summer. But he's talking about spiritual gifts in that book and he says so often people say, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 uh, to learn about spiritual gifts. He says those two chapters because those two chapters have the biggest body of information about spiritual gifts. And he says what we should say is, let's turn to 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 when we want to clean up the mess we've made out of spiritual gifts. Because believers tend, I don't know why, but we tend to make a mess out of spiritual gifts. And that's not just in our world today. That goes all the way back to the very beginning. For when Paul was writing these two chapters to the Corinthian church, he was writing them because they had made a mess out of spiritual gifts. They were using them inappropriately. Uh, they, were, they were an ungodly, really, it's kind of weird to say, they were an ungodly church. They were worldly. They were sinful. And much of what is being written there is to clean up the mess that they are making. So hopefully it's going to add, as we look at that today, some insight to our church and, and to our world today. My goal today is not to compare views. It, it's not to look at what this group believes or what that group believes. Uh, another thing we're not going to do today, now this might be a bother to some of you, we're not going to go through this gift by gift and fruit by fruit and explain what each one is or how it's used or what it means. But not what we're going to do, but rather we're going to look at kind of a, a big picture. What are spiritual gifts, big picture, what are they about? Why are they given? What are we to be doing with them? Same with the fruit. What is this spiritual fruit about? What is it doing in our lives? The bottom line, I hope with whatever you leave with today, is that you realize that the Holy Spirit has gifted you and will produce in you a life that blesses, a life that serves others. That's what both the gifts and the fruit are all about. The blessing and serving of others. Let's turn to, our, to God's Word now and start learning about this. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you don't have a, a Bible with you, we've got some in the chairs in front of you. Hopefully there's one within reach or you can point to it. I'm sure somebody will hand it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you get to uh, the New Testament, go through the Gospels and Acts and Romans and then you'll run into 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to begin reading in verse 4. Now like I said, all of chapter 12, all of chapter 14 is about spiritual gifts. I encourage you to read that. I'm going to be looking at just a few verses here this morning, beginning in verse 4. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4. It says, Now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God. You notice the Trinity there? You notice all three members of the Trinity listed there. But the same God is active in everyone and everything. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person. If you're a believer, you have a gift. Each person to, why? Why is a gift given to each believer? To produce what is beneficial. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. 
To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, different kinds of languages. Your translation may say tongues. To another, the interpretation of languages. But one and the same Spirit is active in all of these, distributing to each one as He wills. For as the body is one, the body is you and I, the church, for as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. And we just read one list of the gifts. In just a moment, I'm going to show you all of the lists. There's four different passages, this being one of them, that talk about the gifts. It's interesting, the gift list changes from passage to passage. There's certainly duplication. There's gifts that appear in all four passages, some that are just in one and two, but it's not a, a, the same list necessarily in every place. Another thing, now this is not what Scripture says. This is a little bit of speculation on my part. It's, it's interesting, the Scripture never says that there's a static list, that this is the list of gifts, and these are all the gifts that there are. That, you know, the gifts are basically, and I'm going to explain this more in a little bit, the gifts are given so that you and I can be the church. So that we can do what the church needs to do in the world. God's going to make sure we are enabled to do that. Well, that would change, wouldn't it? I mean, can it, what, what it takes for the church to do what it needs to do in 2009 might look different, might be a little bit different from what the church needed in 99. Might look different than what the church needs to do in Richmond. Might look different than what it needs to do in Rwanda. So I could see the Holy Spirit potentially, I don't know this is a fact, this is speculation here, potentially bringing different gifts, even gifts maybe that are not mentioned in Scripture, gifting the church to do and to be what it needs to do. The Holy Spirit is going to gift us so that people are built up and so that the church can advance in spiritual warfare in this world. It's going to make sure we have what we need. Now let's look at a, a list of gifts here. Flip over to the PowerPoint. This is going to be another message, folks, by the way, that has just a, a mountain of notes, okay? But you know where to go get them, right? Yep, go to chbaptist.com, click on that right there. You see the sermon logo in today's notes. You can download them in a PDF file. Let's look at the list of gifts. You see there, there's four different passages, 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. Ephesians 4 is a little bit different in that it tends to mention offices. It's a gift, but it's also the office of. And then I've written it, the way I put that list there is so that you can see what appears in two times, what appears three times, or, or four, what just appears once. But that is the list of gifts given to us in the Scripture. Now, there's two different words used to describe that list. One word in the Greek language is pneumatikos. You remember it said the Greek word pneuma is spirit, pneumatikos. That's spiritual things. And the emphasis of that word is that all of those things have a beginning in the spiritual realm. The origin, the genesis of these things is spiritual. It kind of sets these apart from natural gifts and abilities. You and I are born with natural gifts. Some of us have a kind of a, a gift toward art or toward music or toward athletics. Some of us have a gift with math. We just we get we get gifts. We got different natural abilities that comes with birth. Well, then we have a spiritual birth. Jesus talks about us being born again. 
And that happens when we convert, when we give our lives to Christ. And at that moment, we are given one of these gifts. Potentially, I don't know this for a fact, but potentially maybe even gifts that aren't on this list. Both natural gifts and spiritual gifts can serve the church, can be a blessing to the church. But these are given for the express purpose of serving and blessing the church. Another word used to describe that entire list, and each one of those, is the word charisma, which we obviously get the word charismatics from. The word charisma means grace gift. And the emphasis of that is whatever gift you might have there, potentially maybe two or three, but whatever gift you have comes by grace. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You didn't do something to achieve it. I think it's very important to understand that. I've been in churches, read the bulletin, it said, come to this class today to learn how to have this spiritual gift. Now, when I see an announcement that tells me, go in that room and you can learn how to have that gift, that to me is not biblical. I don't get the gift because I go somewhere and do something. I don't get the gift because I grow in Christ and attain to a certain level. It is a grace gift given to every believer. Every believer has a gift given to them at conversion. It's the Holy Spirit who decides what I get, what you gift, and it's given by reward. Now let's look at a definition here. A spiritual gift is God's way of enabling a person for a personal spiritual service. A spiritual gift is God's way of enabling you to serve. It uniquely equips you to play a role in the church's growth and ministry. Folks, this is so cool what God does here. Think about when you leave here and you go out into the world. And you and I go into all different kinds of groups, don't we? We go to a classroom. We go to a workplace. We go to a ball team. Whatever kind of group you go to, there's three groups of people in that group, aren't there? Say yes. Yeah, absolutely. See, we're thinking right on the same line there. You go to a ball team, you go to a workplace, and here's the three groups of people. You got the superstars, right? Every group has the superstars. You got the mass, and then you got those just kind of hanging on for dear life, right? I mean, every, you go to a classroom, you got those three groups of people. Now, that may be how we end up landing in different groups out in the world, but folks, that's not God's plan for the church. God does not have superstars in the church. Also, of course he does. Paul, Peter, Moses. Uh-uh. Those are just people. God has no superstars. That's not his design. God also has nobody that's supposed to be just hanging on for dear life down here. No, God has gifted, God has equipped every single person so that they can make a significant impact on the team. Every one of us is gifted to play a role on the team. Now, I might go try to be a part of a certain sport, and I may not be good enough. I I mean, the sideline is what I get. That's just all I'm going to be able to do. But folks, if you're on the sideline in the church, can I say this? I'm going to say it lovingly. If you're on the sideline in the church, it's because you're disobedient. It's not because you're not good enough. It's not because you're not strong enough. It's not because you not have any ability. No, God has actually made sure that you have an ability. So if you're on the sideline in the church, if you're just hanging on in this game we call faith, it is because you're disobedient. It's because you are literally squelching 
You're hiding, you're stuffing into a closet the gift that God has given you to play a role on this team. Okay? Now here's what I want to do. I want to give you two lists. I want to give you a list of what I'm calling scriptural observations. I just want to observe some things that Scripture says. I'm trying as much as possible not to say this is what this group believes or that group believes, but just here's what Scripture is saying about spiritual gifts, okay? And then after that, I want to draw some conclusions from that. So let's look at a couple of these, okay? Number one, a gift is given to each believer. I'm going to say that probably several more times this morning. Are you getting my point? Okay. Now, if you're not a believer, if you've never come to faith in Christ, then no, you do not have a spiritual gift. But if you have come to faith in Christ, you have a gift. This Sunday, right here, right now, may be the first time you've been in church in 17 years. You still got a gift. You may not feel like you know the Lord very well. You may not be walking very closely with us. As a matter of fact, you may be kind of covered up in sin right now. You still have a spiritual gift. Every believer is given a gift. Number two, the purpose of the gift is for the benefit of the church, not you. I think that is so profound. The purpose of the gift is for the benefit of the church, not me. The gift doesn't say anything about me. The gift doesn't elevate me. There's nothing about this gift that helps me grow. Now, if I'm faithfully using what God has given me, that's going to lead to growth and obedience. Now, I do want to say one thing here. We, we hear this a lot today. This is the only thing where I'm talking about different groups, okay? We hear a lot today about a private prayer language. Some people refer to speaking in tongues as a private prayer language. My problem with that is twofold. Number one, I don't see any verses in the Bible that talk about a private prayer language. Number two, the entire purpose of every gift is to bless the body. There's nothing private about it. There's nothing about exercising or using a gift that is done in secret, that is done in private. That seems to me to be contradictory to the whole purpose that God gives gifts. I'm not benefited by it. I'm not served by it, but rather God works through me to serve the body. Okay, so the purpose of the gift is the benefit of the church, not me. All gifts are given by the Holy Spirit. He determines what each one receives. I believe that happens at conversion because it says all believers and never in Scripture does it refer to any kind of time beyond conversion, beyond becoming a believer when that gift happens. So I think the most natural place to see where the Holy Spirit does that is at conversion. Each gift is important to the well-being of the body. None are to be looked down on. Every gift is significant to the body happening. There are certainly, and and when you go through the illustration, it talks about body parts. And, you know, we cover some body parts up, right? Like we generally didn't hear, we cover up our toes. I don't want to see your toes. Probably don't want to see my toes. But you know what? My toes are awfully important. And you start cutting those things off, and it creates a lot of different issues, right? Okay? We've all got gifts. They all play a different role. They all play a different purpose. Some stand out more than others. I mean, obviously, in our setting... Uh, not much more stands out than the gift of pastor or the gift of preacher. I tend to be more up front than anybody else in the church. But that in no way, shape, or form means that I'm more important or that my gift is more significant. That would be contrary to what Scripture says. I think as humans we tend to think that. We tend to elevate a person. We tend to elevate personalities or gifts and abilities. The Scripture does not do that. 
It says that every part of the body, every gift is significant to making this whole thing we call church happen. You know, I get the opportunity most Sundays to preach to literally, imagine this, thousands of people. But you know what? You take away the people who have the gift of serving out there in the parking lot, or you take away the gift of people who have the gift of serving in the nursery, and you start pulling out some of the other gifts that we have in this church, and all of a sudden, folks, I'm not preaching to thousands of people anymore. See, it's everything together that makes it happen. The Scripture is very clear. No one is to be looked down on. No one is to be unduly elevated. Number five, you must use your gift. Now, we could just put period there. (laughs) You must use your gift. And there should be a purpose in using your gift to serve others, to bring glory to God. Number six, we do not all have the same gifts. No one gift is distributed to all. I put Romans there as the reference for you to look up, but even if you take the passage I just read, does it sound like one person gets all the gifts? Or that there's one gift that everybody's giving? I mean, what does it say? It says, big pile of gifts over here. And, and what did I just read? What did it say? And the Holy Spirit picked up this one and he gave it to this person. And he picked up this one and he gave it to this person. You know why there's this wide distribution? No one person has all gifts, no one gift given to all people. It makes us need each other. It makes us interdependent upon each other. I need the gifts that you have that God is using through you. You need the gifts that I have. And we together serve and minister to one another. So it's a wide distribution. We receive the gifts by grace, not reward. That's a, that's a repetitive statement. I've kept saying that. Now, let me say, now folks, that, that right there, you don't know everything there is to know about spiritual gifts. As a matter of fact, you don't know everything there is to know about anything after most of these sermons. We're, we're, just trying to get, we're just trying to get a working knowledge. We're just trying to get started. We're just opening up like first page introduction, okay? But that gives you kind of a working knowledge of understanding spiritual gifts. Now let's draw some conclusions from all this, okay? Look at the next lift. We all have a gift to use. We all have. That means you have a gift to use for the well-being of the church, You have a gift to use for the well-being of the church. Guess what that means? If you're not using your gift, then this church is not at 100% well-being. Do you think God might hold you accountable for that? That, That's what we get down to. Look at that, number six. You're going to be held accountable for your gift. You've been given a gift. The church needs it and others need it. And if you shove it in your pocket, put it up on the top shelf in the closet and never use it, there's a problem there. Okay, you have to use your gift. Number two, not having a particular gift does not mean we're not responsible to ever do that. Say, what do you mean by that? Folks, a lot of the gifts are actually commanded of all believers. Have you ever heard anybody say, well, I don't have the gift of mercy. Have you ever heard anybody say that? And, and, and when we say that, you know what we're doing? We're absolving myself. I'm absolving myself. I don't have the gift of mercy, therefore, I don't have to be merciful. I don't have to show mercy. Folks, the Bible commands that all of us, everybody in this room, everybody in the church family, is to be merciful. We're to be merciful to one another. But this is what God does with spiritual gifts. While we are all to be merciful, God has equipped, God has a gift to about 10 over here and about 5 over there and about 20 here and about 17 here and about 3 over there and about 4. God has put throughout this room people He's gifted to be merciful so that this church family is faithful in being merciful. 
He doesn't want it to be dependent on whether you and I are obedient or not. So he gifts, he enables several to be merciful so that we as a family are merciful. But we're all to show mercy. We are all to give. We've studied that. We know that every believer is to give. But God gifts, God enables a few with the gift of giving to make sure there is a flow of resources into the church. We are all to have faith. Is there any doubt about that? And we're, we're a people of faith. We're defined by faith. We are all commanded to have faith. But God has gifted, God has enabled a number of us in this room to have the gift of faith. So that as he looks down upon this family, there are those of us on behalf of the family believing greatly on God for the impossible. Believing greatly on God for the amazing. He wants to be able to look down here and always see a people of faith, whether we all individually are being obedient or not. So not having a gift doesn't mean you're not responsible. It just means some are gifted to make sure the church is faithful. Number four, start or number three, no room on the team for boasting about your gift. Does that make sense after what we've studied already? The gift's not about me. The gift doesn't say, look at me, this means I've done this, this means I've achieved this, I've attained to this. The gift doesn't say, I have more of God's favor on my life than you or another believer. The gift is not meant to draw attention to the individual. The gift is meant to serve the body. So no room for boasting. Number four, start to discover your gift by asking the Holy Spirit what He's given you. That makes sense, doesn't it? Holy Spirit, these are your gifts. You said here in your word, you've been handing these things out. Uh, was I in line? Did, did I get one? What is it? Start in prayer. Ask him what you've been given and then begin serving. Begin serving. Look for a multitude of ways, different places to begin serving and see what rises to the top. You know, in our culture today, we have things like spiritual gift inventories. We have different books that will help you discover your spiritual gift. I think there's value to those, but I do find it interesting. The scripture never commands me to take a spiritual gift inventory. It never commands me to go read a book. It, it actually doesn't tell me how I find out my gift. So as I read this, I tend to think the scripture is saying it's somewhat self-evident. If you're praying, if you're walking with God, if you're seeking to serve, the gift will come out. You'll see it. Others will see it. You will learn in time. I'm not saying you'll necessarily know by next Sunday. But you will learn what your gift is. It will come out. Number five, work hard at your gift. You know, a lot of times when we say somebody's gifted, we, matter of fact, we say that they're a natural, right? I mean, it just happens. It just looks easy. It looks effortless. It, and they, you know, they always succeed at it. Folks, a spiritual gift does not mean it's not work. I believe I have the gift of preaching. That does not mean, folks, I just walk in here and open my mouth and out it pours. That's not at all what it means. I work hard at prayer. I work hard at study. I work hard at preparation. My average sermon, I got about 15 hours invested in one sermon. I believe I have the spiritual gift, but that doesn't mean I just stand here and start flapping my gums. We work hard. As a matter of fact, you know what the scripture says? It actually uses this word. It says, exercise your gift. Exercise your gift. Work your gift. You're looking for ways to employ your gift. You're looking for ways to serve. You're looking for ways to put it into action. Folks, and, and serving is not, I'm going over there at 6 o'clock 
to use my gift. That's not what we're talking about. Now, I may go over there at 6 o'clock and use my gift, but folks, this is a way of life. It's the way we live. We work hard at it. We exercise it. We're looking for opportunity to employ it. And then lastly, which I've already said, God gave the gift to be used. It's to be used. We're going to be held accountable for it. We've covered a lot of ground here looking at this. I want to take a little bit of time real quickly. Time is drawing short. And look at fruit real quick. We're going to come back to gifts in just a second. But look over at Galatians 5. If you're still in 1 Corinthians, just go two books to the right. Galatians chapter 5, right after 2 Corinthians. Some of you, I bet, have this verse memorized. Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Pretty well-known verse. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. This is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now, you know another word for fruit? Produce, right? When you go, when you go to the grocery store, you go to the produce section. This is the produce of those plants and of those trees. Now, so another word for fruit is product. The product of an apple tree is what? Apples. Just wanted to see if you were still with me. Okay, that's not, that's not real hard. A lot of us saw Discovery Channel this week. The product of an apple tree is apples. So the question we're asking now, what is the product of a spirit-controlled, a spirit-filled life? You remember last time we looked at Ephesians 5.18? And it said, I am to have a spirit-filled life. That means my life is to be influenced. It's to be under the influence of the spirit. Galatians 5.16 talks about walking by the Spirit. Galatians 5.25 talks about living by the Spirit. So if I am living, if I'm walking, if I'm controlled by the Holy Spirit, then what is the product of that life? How do I know if that's happening? Well, that's what God's giving us right here. He's saying if you're controlled, then, you know, I'm a tree. Look around on the ground. Do you see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faith, and self-control? You should see that fruit laying all over the ground under the tree of your life. That is the product of the Spirit being in control of my life. Now, if I look down there and I don't see those things, I've got a problem, don't I? That would be a sign of the opposite, that the Spirit is not in control of my life. Three quick observations about this. These are kind of obvious. Number one, it's fruit, not fruits. Don't you love grammar? Thinking, oh my gosh, why would he say that? A little word there, just one letter change. It's fruit, not fruits. Folks, you and I are not to look at 522 and say, well, you know what? I'm not very good at that. I don't have that. I got none of that. I'm kind. I'm a pretty kind person. Uh, I got faith. Gentle. So. I think I got two of these. Folks, the goal is not to have two or three. And the goal is not to have more than half. It doesn't say if the Spirit's in control of your life, you'll see two or, these three, two or three of these things laying around the roots. If the Spirit is in control of your life, the fruit, the product, is these nine things. Have you ever understood it that way? Have you ever looked at it that way? All nine of these things are to be laying all around the ground underneath the tree of your life. All nine are to be there. Not just two or three. If something's not there, that's a sign he doesn't have complete influence over your life. Second thing, fruit is visible, isn't it? 
Have you ever eaten an invisible apple? It, it's, it's not good. It gave me indigestion. It really, it, it, it hurts. No, we don't eat invisible fruit. Who wants invisible fruit? Fruit's visible. These nine things here, you can see them. You can see them in your life. Others can see them in your life. If nobody can see them, it's not because they're not wearing the magic glasses, folks. Fruit is visible. It's clear that I'm looking at an apple tree when I see apples on it. It's clear, it's visible when I see these fruits that we're looking at a spirit-controlled life. And then lastly, fruit is for others. You ever thought about that? An apple tree doesn't get any benefit from apples. The apples are for others. It tastes good to others. And the seed of that apple plants more apple trees. But the tree itself has no benefit from the apples. Well, that's true in our lives too, folks. When the Spirit is under, when we're under the influence of the Spirit, when He has control of our lives, we taste good to others. We're satisfying to others. And the seed of our maturity, the seed of our growth gets planted into other people's lives. Folks, it's all about others. I mean, you read the New Testament, it's about serving and blessing others. We look at the Holy Spirit, we look at the fruits and gifts, it's all about others. You know, folks, you can start to think here, you know what? Maybe the reason so many people, and I think it's, I think it's accurate to use those two words. I think maybe the reason so many people don't experience the wonder, the joy, the, the victory of the Christian life is because they've picked up this thing, Christianity, totally and completely for self. What does this do for me? How does this bless me? We walk in the doors of the church. Am I going to get fed today? Am I going to get blessed today? Did I get noticed today? Did I get this today? And we're using this thing completely, entirely for self. And folks, you can get any tool out there. Go to Home Depot, Lowe's, they get the best tool they have. And it'll work if you use it the right way. But I don't care if it's the best, most expensive tool they sell. If you use it the wrong way, it's not going to work. And folks, there's a whole lot of people using Christianity completely the wrong way. They think this whole thing is all about them. I think there's tremendous benefits for me in the Christian life when I give all of my life to serving Christ and others. That's how that has to be picked up and used. Folks, the bottom line of this whole study is that a spirit-controlled life is going to bless and serve others. That means I walk into this church not saying, what are these people around me doing? What is that pastor doing for me? What is this church doing for me? It means I walk into this room saying, what role do I play on this team? How do I invest in this team? How do I serve on this team? What is the spirit uniquely gifted me to be and to do on this team? And when we focus our lives on others, Christianity begins to have the impact it needs to have in our lives. And we begin to experience the joy of it. Let me close with one last list. Just I want to kind of send us out of here thinking, what do I do with all this? I got 14 lists today. What do I do with all this? Number one, I want to encourage you to read Galatians 5, 19 through 21. We just read 22 to 23. Go back to picturing yourself, your tree. Go home and read these passages today. 22 to 23 shows me the fruit that will be laying on the ground if I'm spirit controlled. 19 through 21 shows me the fruit that's laying on the ground if I'm me controlled. The passage is 
frighteningly clear. It's very, very clear. It's very, very easy to see whether you're in control of your life or the Holy Spirit's in control of your life. You've got to know whether you're under His influence or not before you can go any further. Number two, ask the Holy Spirit. Man, the Holy Spirit, help me to give over, to yield more and more and more of my life every single day to your control. Then we do what I've already talked about. Ask for an understanding of what your gift is. Begin serving. And ask the Lord today. Lord, today, let me bless somebody. Let me be a blessing and a service to the church today. Every day, let that be the motive to why I'm praying about my gift. To, to why I want to discover and see that gift. Because I want to bless and serve others in the church. The vision of this church is to impact our community and our world for Christ. Folks, God has gifted you, you as an individual, to do just that, to impact this entire community, to impact the entire world for Christ. He's gifted you for that. Well, man, let's find out what that is and get about using it, right? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I... Uh, Man, I don't always have everything I need in every group of people to feel good about myself. I don't, I don't always have everything to, to feel significant, to feel like I'm making a difference on that team. Boy, Lord, there's a lot of places we can go in the world and feel like we, we just don't make a big difference. God, let us see that when we come into this house, if we feel insignificant, if we feel like we're not making a difference, that's our fault, not yours. You have uniquely, individually, purposely gifted every single one of us so that we can play a significant role on Colonial Heights Baptist being the church you've put us here to be. Oh God, could we just sit back for a moment, imagine and dream, what would it look like? What would it look like if all of us knew our gift? If all of us were employing, exercising, serving that gift. Oh, how profound and how significant this church can be and would be in this community and world. Lord, let us be challenged with the reality and the fact that we're going to be held accountable for it. We're going to be held accountable for what we did with our gift. Father, I pray, Lord, I get stuck I think I'm praying for every one of us. It's so easy for me to get stuck thinking so much of a day is about me. What's happening for me? Am I fulfilled? Am I happy? Are people taking care of me? Oh Lord, let us see that the real secret to getting fulfilled and satisfied is not me thinking about it. It's me giving my life to you and serving others just like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is there step by step to help me. Oh, Holy Spirit, help us to walk with you, live by you, be completely influenced by you in this week ahead. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.